everybody welcome into mining stock daily we have some intraday market commentary uh with a returning guest i'll be introducing here in just a moment but first let's take a look at the numbers gold bounced off its 50-day moving average on the daily chart here looking at december gold uh pretty much about 1950 dollars is where it's sitting at right now uh silver same sort of story bounced off its low of day uh currently sitting at 27 dollars 11 cents but generally, uh, the overall markets, big indices are just down, down, down. NASDAQ down close to 2.5%. The S&P down 1.5%. And the Dow Jones down 1%. Uh, a lot of interesting things happening today. Definitely taking a look at the dollar. It was kind of raising some traction before getting pushed down. Currently, Dixie sitting at 931 that is one to take keep an eye out for to see how it progresses here into tomorrow and next week. Uh, copper, uh, that's actually in the green, barely, but it's still above three dollars, three dollars and about seven cents. Uh, we are going to talk a little bit of gold, but a lot of copper here uh, with a good friend of mine, and I'm happy to always be welcome welcome him back. Mr. Paul Wessel, CEO of Western Copper and Gold, which trades on the TSX and the NYSE American with WRN. I am a shareholder of Western Copper and Gold, and the company is also a sponsor of the podcast. Uh, Paul, I know you've been having a lot of these conversations this week with Beaver Creek, but how are you hanging in there? <laughs> yeah, no, it's... it's uh... Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a nonstop zoom, uh, meeting, uh, schedule and, uh, but it's, it's been good. You know, it, what's really nice is, uh, I, I mean, a perfect example is, uh, I had a call this morning with a, a large organization at, you know, seven o'clock in the morning in, in Vancouver and, and there were people from Asia where it was 11 o'clock at night and, and in London. So, and everybody was on, so it's been, been real nice to be able to access just, you know a real global uh you know audience of of investors and 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 markets so um yeah other than uh, my voice is probably sounds a little hoarse because it is a little hoarse um <clears throat> but uh, that that's par for par for the course of, of these things so yeah um you know so this would be my third year covering beaver creek um you know and i can kind of remember kind of the overall theme right so Three years ago, well, let's take a step back. There's always optimism. Every year there's optimism, right? Uh, three years ago was cautious optimism. Uh, last year, I remember like things were really starting to pay attention. It seems like we're, there was a lot of people there that had money to deploy, big money to deploy, but were like waiting to see where they were going to put some of that capital uh now that it's virtual i don't have a very good sense of the conversations because i you know <laughs> can't can't bug people like you at the bar uh but uh if there was a theme in your mind through your conversations you've had what would that be yeah i mean you know i think uh like like you said it, it it's a bit more difficult to put your finger on one pulse you know because you're not you're not there you're not sort of uh, in don't have that social interaction after all the meetings are done, but you know what what I've seen is is really there's sort of three themes that I think are coming through, um, and um, at, at least for me. Um, so so first of all is that uh, just new investors. Um, you know, part of it might be the accessibility. You know, people can dial in from their 
their home office. But I mean, there are there are investors that I've never seen, uh, and I, you know, I think everyone has been talking about that. That you know, and and certainly there's some generalists, but there's also some other you know funds that you know you typically don't see at this event. Um, I think part of that is that obviously metals and mining has had a, a great run here, and 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 people are starting to move money into hard assets. Um, you know, the backdrop to to Beaver Creek a little bit with the general markets is uh, at least talk of and and a little bit of movement in terms of a, you know, a tech um, pullback. Um, so people are looking to where they can put some money and and obviously uh, this space has been doing well and 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 has a good track record. So that's one. Uh, the second one for me is is certainly copper. I mean gold. I mean gold is great. Um, but I think the the conservative view is that gold is is probably where it's going to be for a while. I'm not sure if um, you know. I mean, certainly, there's people saying it's going to go to ten thousand and three thousand. But I mean, I think people mostly think that you know two thousand dollar gold is here to stay, but it it likely won't go up significantly above that. But copper is is a story that's just starting to take off. Um, and you know, I'm I'm looking actually at, at the screen in front of me and I'm looking at the copper graph and, and it's, boy, it's, it's a pretty exciting graph. Um, so yeah, so so that's the second theme. And then the third theme, and, and, you know, keep in mind that Beaver Creek is a bit of a different conference in that it's not just, uh, you know, mining companies like, like us and talking to investors. I mean, there's also, you know, bankers. It's sort of the whole community comes together. Um, but the other theme is that there there feels like, and you know, I'm hearing from a number of people that we're we're sort of right on. I mean, the the market has moved so quickly, uh, and equities have moved up so quickly. Um, there's a lot of chatter about M and A just you know just about to happen, just around the corner. And so, I mean, you would expect it in a hot market to be a bunch of M and A, and certainly that's a chatter that you're hearing as well. Oh, that's really interesting. I haven't heard that this week. I've actually been wondering. There's been some small acquisitions and mergers, maybe uh, some JVs, some uh, you know some juniors combining with other junior companies, maybe maybe because they share a border of some sort. But the majors really have been absent up to this point. And so do you think that maybe we could see some sort of major upon major or maybe majors buying some more exploration plays? Uh, How does this play out, Paul? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I I think you could see, you know, all, all of the above. I mean, you know, certainly in the, I mean, and, you know, you've studied this this market over the, the the past decade or so, and 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 I have as well. And it always leads with gold. Uh, and gold, you know, I mean, two thousand dollar gold. I mean, who who would who would have thunk it? And and when gold's there, and and you have the majors that have you know making lots of money and and share prices that are very very strong, you know, on the back of that what you start to see is is some M&A because, I mean, you know, everyone's got a little bit of swagger in their stride. So I, I think you're going to see it from the majors. Um, you know, I've certainly been hearing about it, you know, even, you know, sort of like you said, in, in, in the, the junior, the, the larger junior space where where you've got synergies that make sense, where you've got, um, you know, 
transactions. I mean, and I know of at least a half dozen transactions that, you know, people are like, wow, you know, it doesn't quite work because, you know, their shutter price is too high and ours is too low or, you know, those sort of excuses come out. You know, those all sort of get, those, those sort of excuses all get removed in a bull market and, and you know, we're in that bull market now. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of joke with you from time to time, and but what were you this week, Paul? Were you a gold company or a copper company? <laughs> Well, you know, I, I, we're, we're still a gold company, although uh, with the way copper has uh, been moving. I mean, you know, when when gold was at, uh, you know, 1950 and copper was still at 250, I mean, we were, I think, you know, 53% uh, uh, gold and, and 47% copper. Um, now we're probably pretty close to 50-50 and, and maybe a smidge and more copper. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're we're usually always a little bit more copper. It's only in those sort of very, very unique times when we're, when we're more of a gold company. Um, but yeah, and, and I'm, I'm always excited about that because I mean, our project, which is, you know, a large, you know, uh, a project, it always sort of, it, it, it fits more comfortably in the copper space. If you look at, you know, your average copper mine, um, looks a lot like what we have at, at our casino project up in the Yukon. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, got decades of, of mine life, um, you know, a higher capital cost, um, but, um, you know, is, 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 you know, a strong project as opposed to, you know, your average gold project, which, you know, is probably in the hundreds of millions of dollars in terms of the capital cost. Um, but, you know, mine lives, I mean, I'm not sure what the average gold mine life is, but it's probably, you know, if it's 10 years, I'll be surprised. Don't you have like a 35-year mine life? Yeah. Well, I mean, our feasibility study was 22 years, um, but that was on our, our billion-ton reserve. Yeah. Uh, we came out with a new resource um, this summer uh, with a 2 billion-ton measured and indicated resource. So, I mean, you know, the simple math says that we're probably 44 to 50 years already yeah. uh, in terms of what we have. Uh, let's kind of turn the conversation over to some of the macro developments behind the move in copper recently. I mean, I'm sure you've been paying attention to just as much as I have. It, it definitely appears that China is starting to uh, stockpile commodities. This is not the first time that that country has done so in preparation for an infrastructure build and really trying to uh, stimulate their own economy. That's typically what China does. Uh, there's continued conversation about an infrastructure package here in the United States, uh, next presidential term, no matter who wins. Uh, all very bullish for copper, but I think in the short to near term, it really is the stockpiling uh, by China recently. And uh, any other developments that you've been watching behind the copper scene that's really driving this price? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, and, and you know, in preparation for this, like I said, I, I actually pulled up the copper chart because um, I'm even going to take a step back from from what, what we're seeing right now and, and, and talk about the past couple years of copper because I think it's, it's, a, it's a neat story. And if you look at the copper price, so I'm looking at, here at the chart, at the end of 2018, we were at, you know, 320 copper. And copper was taking off. And, you know, why was it taking off at, at, at the end of 2018? It was taking off because of, you know, some very fundamental supply and demand issues. I mean, there was there was just not enough supply. There wasn't enough, uh, you know, there just had been a decade of, of underbuilding of mines. And then the, the Trump tariffs kicked in really in, in 2019. 
and um and 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 the 18 and and so that's really where you start to see the copper price begin to drop down but then near the end of last year and and there was some relief on on some of the tariffs you started to see copper creep up then of course covid happened and 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 copper took it, its big uh, drop but then you know as it's come back up um as you said there's uh, there's the stockpiling and then the other you know big factor is the you know the reduced production out of uh, South America. I mean, if you look and I'm sure we all we all look at the the uh, coronavirus charts and how every country is doing it at least once in a while. But I mean, you look at Chile and Peru uh, and there's a significant amount of copper that comes out of those two countries. They're not doing well. They haven't done well. Um, and so there's there's pressure on those operations. I mean, there's there's, you know, cases that you're reading about day in, day out in those operations. And so that impacts impacts the production out of out of those operations and you know you saw actually earlier this week bhp uh you know they they froze salaries uh across their senior executives and part of the reason why is because their revenues were hit and they were hit because of this coronavirus and it's not because there isn't demand for copper it's because their mines just couldn't produce at the level that they expected them to so you know, you've got tightening supply and you've got increasing demand and, uh, you know, that's uh, economics 101 for uh, improved prices. And that's exactly what you're seeing right now. Oh, there's a very much a lack of tier one deposits that are almost readily available for development uh, throughout the world, and but in safe jurisdictions as well. Uh, that's got to play a big part in some of the conversations within those, you know, big producing management teams of where do they go next? Yeah, no, and and it, it's an interesting, you know, one of the conversations that I had, and, and this is going back a couple of years ago with a, a very large um, offtake company. Um, and, and you know, I mean, the offtake companies, I mean, we, we chat with, with a number of them and, and you know, they're, they're starting to say at the right time, you know, let's, let's do something. But, you know, one of the, and, and, you know, these are big companies. They probably got, you know, a room of PhD economists and, and risk managers looking at how to make investments. But one of the points that they made is that they said, you know, we're concerned because we as a company have so much of our copper supply coming out of South America. And so we like a project like yours. I mean, our, our casino project located up in the Yukon uh, because it's, it's not in South America. Um, and there's advantages to being South America because there's the infrastructure, there's, you know, everyone understands copper. But the downside is that, you know, you have, you know, one in a hundred year events and suddenly your supply is impacted. Well, that was a couple of years ago and now here we're living through it. And you have, I mean, it's not, you, you know, a massive earthquake that knocks everything out, but it's it's having an impact, is is having an impact in, um, in, in Chile and Peru, and you're just seeing reduced supply coming on, out of that. And this is, you know, this is a one in a hundred year event, and that's what happens. Mm -hmm. And so, and, you know, having up in the Yukon, um, uh, they have had one case <laughs> of, of uh, COVID um, uh, that happened back in March, and they haven't had a case since. So, I mean, it's a pretty secure uh, jurisdiction in terms of, of copper supply. How does this, and, and maybe it won't, but how, how do you use this or does this certain scenario lend a hand in really turning the tide from casino being this optionality play into 
something with meaningful um, that something that really can be developed. Although the capex is large, uh, the resource is large, the mine life is large, the economics uh, are really positive. Um, but you know, Paul, I, I've known you for a couple of years, and I know numerous times I've heard the conversation like when somebody asks you, "Well, why invest in Western copper and gold?" And it's easy to say, well, we're at the bottom of a cycle where we're trading now. When the cycle comes around, when the market turns around, look at where we've traded in the past during those heights. I mean, we've gone from 50 cents U.S. to $3 U.S. And that's obviously a great selling point. But how do you, as the, as the executive of, the, of this company, how do you take that from that optionality play and turn it into a real development play to get this thing built and going and kind of... Uh, break away from that previous selling point yeah no and you know that that's a great question and and you know it's it's interesting that um and you know i, I hate the term optionality <laughs> i do too i do too I do <laughs> because too. and because i mean and and i'll tell you why i hate it specifically with concerns to the casino project because usually when you talk about an optionality play i mean optionality play is a plate way of saying it don't add up at today's commodity prices. And if you look at our casino project, I mean, even at, you know, $2 copper and, uh, you know, $1,200 gold, the project is, you know, at 15, 16% IRR after tax. So I'd argue we're not really an optionality play by the standard definition. But I think what you're talking about is it's a, a bit of optionality play because you know, a capital cost and the capital cost associated with the project is, is two and a half billion. You know, the ability to attract that sort of capital into a mining project is something that sort of comes and goes. Um, and um, but let's let's address that, because, I mean, it comes and goes, I, I think, in, in the general market. But, you know, for for these big copper projects, um, you know, there's certainly times when they're built in more frequency. And I think we're entering one of those positions right now. And, and you've seen it, you know, the number of expansions and new projects from the majors that you've seen over the past, even, you know, starting last year, you had Vecchio out of Anglo, um, you know, going back a little bit, you've got uh, Cobra Panama uh, from First Quantum, but, you know, your expansions, uh, uh, coming out of Cadelco and and uh, being announced, other they've pulled back a bit, um, but I think that the ability to attract that sort of capital, um, the market is 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 better than you think. And and you know one of the things that I'm excited about you know with our company is that you know certainly our our new board and we brought on uh, Mike Vuitton and. Uh, you know, Mike Vuitton is, uh, you know, based out in New York and, uh, you know, was um, managing director of, of BMO, um, responsible for U.S. equity sales for a number of years, got $200 billion of deals under his uh, belt. And, and you know, he, he's on our board now. And, and you know, his point is like, you know, it, it seems undoable, but it's it's actually easier than you think to go out and and you know not easier but it's it's very doable you know particularly with someone like him on our board to to go and raise that money so um you know our our approach is is just go and and move a project forward and and when we get to the point where you know the permits are are close at hand and we we start to begin to line up capital um 
it, it's more often available than not for good projects, good jurisdictions, and that's exactly what we have. Uh, Paul, we're coming up on our Beaver Creek 20-minute limit here. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to respect your time. I know it's the last day for you, and I'm sure you've yep. got another, more conversations for you the rest of the day. But um, I always appreciate uh, you coming on the show, and we, we always discuss a lot, and I'm able to ask you some of the tougher questions, and you're always very candid and honest, so I appreciate that very much. Very good. Well, it's always a pleasure talking to you, Trevor. All right, that's Mr. Paul West Sells. He is the CEO of Western Copper and Gold. Again, trades on the TSX and the NYSC American with WRN. That's going to be it for us today. I'll be back tomorrow morning with our long-form in-depth interview series. Take care, everybody. Be well.